This program is brought to you by P1 Australia Racing Components, the designer of the oil heat mats for dry sump tank applications. Find out more about the truths on engine oil heating at p1australia.com. Thunder Media. Hi, I'm Chas Mostert. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. And you're listening to Inside Supercars. From the racetracks across Australia, and here's Inside Supercars. Supercars are returning to New Zealand, and we hear from the track owner, Tony Quinn, about getting the supercars onto his circuit. It's a great track, and I really love the, um, the town of Taupo. It's, um, it's a real tourism sort of destination. He also talks about Will Brown joining this Triple Eight team. Um, the one thing about Triple Eight is that I think they can take a very good driver and make them an excellent driver. I think with the team that's around them and the strategies that they deploy. It's life, the universe and toilets on Inside Supercars. But Highlands does have the best toilets, without doubt. It starts now. Welcome to Inside Supercars, Tony Whitlock and Craig Gravel, and we're joined by a man who yet again has put his hand up as somebody who is instrumental in this category of supercars, that being Tony Quinn. Welcome back to Inside Supercars, Tony. Yeah, I'm glad to be back. I apologise for my croaky voice. I've just got a little bit of the flu, so... Um, but I'm still alive and kicking, so all good. It's the thoughts behind those words. Um, and the great news was it released only yesterday that the supercars for the very first time are heading to Taupo, Topor as it's known, Topor Motorsport Park, which you have owned since 21. It's uh, great news for this track, uh, Tony, because it's really needed something since A1GP left. Yeah, I mean, it was obviously built for big things and uh, A1GP only lasted a few years. And since then, it's kind of been in a little bit of a wilderness, to be honest. And the um, the management that was left there was kind of, they had no money to spend. They couldn't do anything. The, the business was quite poor. Um, so it was kind of spiralling downhill. Um, and, you know, I tried to buy it. Oh, I'm going to say maybe eight, nine, eight years ago, maybe. Um, but they held on to it and um, took me till 21 to buy it. So it's it's a great track, and I really love the um, the town of Taupo. It's um, it's a real tourism sort of destination, and it's very pleasant on a on a nice day. It's probably one of the best towns you can be in. So. I love it. I love the fact that you can be racing or you can be at the track and five minutes later you can be having a coffee by the lakeside uh, with a great view and great mountain air. So um, I think it's a great venue. I agree, Tony. I first went there in 1957 as a six-year-old. Um, my cousin and I were rowing across the Tarpo Lake. It's the largest lake in the Southern Hemisphere which is an extraordinary sort of thing, or maybe not a Southern Hemisphere, but maybe Australia and New Zealand. It's a, a large piece of water. Yeah, we'll, we'll take that. Southern, some, Southern Hemisphere sounds good, mate. That's fine. We'll take that. We'll work with that. 
And um, I was lucky enough, and through my good planning, to go to both the A1GPs. Well, there were three. I only went to the first two in uh, 06, 07 and 08. Um, it's an extraordinary venue. I can remember standing with lots of international engineers and team owners, and as they were saying about how they felt like they're in Austria or somewhere else, it was not at all like New Zealand. And I thought it was fantastic that they, they felt that. It, it had an international ring about it. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely. I mean, this could be the making of the Taupo track. You know, the V8's going there. I I think we'll get. Uh, I think we'll get tremendous support. And what I've been saying to everybody, because everybody, you know, um, keeps asking different questions. But I keep saying to people, look, let's just get this one out of the way. Let's just put on a good show. Let's embrace the categories and and make them show them a good time. And maybe in years to come, you know, we can convince them to maybe do a you know a sprint round in Taupo, and then the weekend after do an endurance race at Hampton Downs, which I think would be you know an excellent sort of format. But um, it's not my business, so I can't really make make the rules up. But I think if we can prove to them that we can put on a good show and and Kiwis support it well. I think it's. Uh, I think we can push for maybe, you know, it's been talked about for for some time and a double header. You know, I think it would be a new product for them. It might, uh, you know, it might bring some international themes, whatever. But uh, look, let's just get the first one out of the way first. Um, Taupo's got it for three years. Let's just put on a good show and um, make them feel welcome. It was interesting at Sydney Motorsport Park when we were speaking to Bill Gibson and people can go back and listen to that interview because he said one of the challenges was going to be Easter gets in the way. And then a bit later on, a team owner said to me, are we doing two races in New Zealand? So I was going to ask you, is is Highlands or Hampton Down going to have an enduro that uh, you might have extend the stay? <laughs> Uh, no, no, I, uh, <laughs> no. I, I think that's putting the cart before the horse. I think what we have to do is prove that we can run a good event, um, yeah, and hopefully the weather gods are nice to us, um, and you know, well supported, lots of camping, lots of good racing, you know, uh, and then maybe you know, if if everybody's up for it, maybe we could take a punt and and try. A double header, but look, um, again, it's putting the cart before the horse. I think we've got to get this one out of the way first and um, do a good job of it. Perhaps it's putting the cart before the horse, but when Haslow went out selling the series, they certainly, in their prospectus, said New Zealand endurance race. Yeah, well, it makes sense to me. I mean, Sandown's obviously going to um, not be around forever, I wouldn't think, and. Um, you know, I think it would slot in quite well. And and as far as the teams go, I think a double header um, would be quite efficient. So it'll all just depend on how how the 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 planets align and all that kind of stuff. And but certainly um, on on behalf of the tracks, um, we would be well up for it. I, I don't know if the the government's got enough money to. To help us out, but, <laughs> but um, I think it would be a good thing if it could be done. Let's just talk about the track for a little bit because um, I remember vividly being there, and okay, it's now coming up for seven or eight years since I was there, but in 08, 
Uh, the facilities looked very modern. It was well laid out. Um, certainly all the A1GP teams who were used to international standards because they went around the world and, and were raced at the best tracks, the Brands Hatch and Silverstones and those ones. So there'd be little to be done, I would think, for supercars to be ready. Is that correct? Yeah, look, the infrastructure is very, very good. And, and you know, in the, in the period you're talking from the 2005 to now, a lot of the Middle Eastern and Asian tracks have spent copious amounts of money on facilities which have gone ahead of, of the traditional race track. So, um, you know, if you go to Dubai or Abu Dhabi and places like that, they're, they're very, very uh, modern. But, um, you know, Taupo, um, for its uh, location and, and size and everything else, is, is you know, it, it, can, it can match up with the best of them. So I don't have any fear that the track or the, or the facility can't has issues. Um, since we've since I've bought the place, we've obviously um, given it a Dulux uh, tart up, and um, we've I think we've resurfaced. I'm going to say maybe five, five or six of the corners as well, um, because they were getting a bit worn and stuff like that. But um, so we've done a fair bit of work to it. Um, and there's a bit more to do. And as I said, everybody, um, it's got to be the TQ standard, which I, I sort of feel um, sometimes it, it's a bit excessive. <laughs> someday. It's a bit beyond it. But I just like having a, a nice facility, well presented, clean, and uh, that everybody enjoys and it's safe, you know. So we've still got a little bit of work to do, but not much. Um, we'll have the summer. Uh, local sort of uh, rounds in town. We've got the historic Grand Prix in January. We'll have the Toyotas there as well. Um, and we'll have an endurance event there. But we'll all uh, that'll all just be good practice for the V8s when they come. So it's a 3.3-kilometre circuit, so it's a bit longer than a number of the circuits we use here, not the long ones like Sandown or, or uh, Bathurst, although it's about the same length as Sandown. Um, so Neil Jarney has the lap record in an uh, A1GP Lola at a 114. So it's a fairly quick track, although it is tight in some spots, isn't it? Yeah, it seems. I mean, it's it. They used to use the straight, the long straight, for a drag racing in the opposite direction, um, but they stopped that years ago because they found that the whatever they put down, the rubber glue that they put down. Uh, wasn't good for circuit racing, so they chose to stop the drag racing. So the the back straight, as they call it, is a fair old length, and then the front straight's quite short, and then there's a series of fast and slow corners that take you up to the top of the the back of the hill or top of the hill, and um, then you come back down again. It's um it's quite a safe track, I have to say. Um, you know, it's uh, there's plenty of runoff and stuff like that. So it's um, and and you do get a bit of a break coming down the the long straight. So it's it's quite enjoyable to drive. I remember vividly Ken Smith was uh, had driven his five thousand there. I think it would have been the Lola, and he was then also driving in a, uh, a Toyota as it was then, the Formula Regional now. And I remember him complaining about driving the Toyota and saying. Oh, it's bloody hard to drive. It's too difficult, you know, the steering and all that. And it was 
And I'm thinking like, yeah, okay, the 5,000 easy compared to this little thing. You know, it just it seems ironic. You know? I think he's right. I mean, we've got to remember, too, that he's, he's 80 years old plus. Um, so, you know, give him some slack. But um, I think he's right. The Formula 5000s are easier to steer than the Toyotas. So, um, you know, he just, I, I'm not sure that he's got the Toyota anymore. Um, he, he just found it too hard to, to steer. But um, no, it's, it's, a, it's a fine track to drive. Tony, in the suite of tracks that you have, where does this one rank when you look at Hampton Downs and, and Highlands, which is coming up for its 10th anniversary? Yeah, look, I mean, you know, like as a parent, you're not supposed to have a favourite child, but my favourite child is um, Highlands without any question. Uh, it's the one that I designed or we designed and built ourselves and had the most input into. And, and so that's my favourite track. Um, and the rest of them all have different, serve a different purpose. Um, Hampton Downs is a very busy uh, track. It's it's like Eastern Creek or, you know, Sydney Motorsport Park where it's got a feral population next to it that keep it busy all the time. Uh, it's much similar to Queensland Raceway, which is a similar sort of, if you like, a sausage factory that just pumps out product. Um, and Taupo, as I said in the beginning, Taupo was built with big plans in mind, um, but then A1GP fell over. Now with Aussie, uh, Aussie supercars, V8 supercars coming, um, let's see what we can make it. Let's see what we can do with it. And um, I'm hopeful that the teams all like it uh, and they like the town, they like the stay, they like the, the whole region. And um, hopefully it becomes a fixture on the calendar, you know? I do too, Tony. Hope it becomes a fixture, and I certainly will be there. Um, and it'll be coming up for some sort of celebration in my life because, as I said, I was there as a child and enjoyed Tarpo or Topor, as it's now known. But uh, one of the things that doesn't surprise me that Harlands is your favourite of the children because uh, it is the most idiosyncratic of, of your tracks, um, and I think it has your stamp, your imprimatur on it. The monkeys in the forest. The, the dinosaurs, <laughs> the, the Trump toilet. It is yeah, your, your mean, stamp on everything there. I mean, it definitely has the um, the best toilets, without question. The other tracks are good toilets. No, There's no question of that. But, but Highlands does have the best toilets, without doubt. It also has, you know, like it also has a museum. And, and one of the things that struck me 10, 12 years ago when I started to build Highlands, was that New Zealand had such a history of um, drivers and events and the Trans-Tasman series and rally drivers and circuit drivers and even teams and engineers that had done so well globally, and yet there was nowhere in New Zealand that they were recognised and honoured. Um, so that's why I built the museum there, to, to honour these people that had done the job so well. And, you know, Sir Colin Giltrap opened it. And to this day, I would, I would claim that it's probably one of the most successful museums uh, that I know of um, because people find it interesting and, um, you know, they, they actually enjoy it because, you know, most museums you go into are a bit of a, a, you know, they're a bit different. Although nowadays they're getting better. But, no, Highlands is, 
Ireland's museum is pretty special. I agree, Tony. And um, as somebody who's a fifth-generation New Zealander, I am only a part New Zealand, my father, but um, I know that country does a far better job than it does in Australia in keeping its history. The museums up and down New Zealand are fantastic. I've been in them. I've got you know, some fabulous memories of things that my parents and grandparents and great-great-grandparents have all been involved in. So you're very right. New Zealand does have a special place for museums. And your museum in particular, having been to it at least three or four times, is a wonderful collection of cars. A very eclectic range because it does cover a wide gamut. There's, there's no spectrum. It is covers the full range. <laughs> Much like the toilets. <laughs> yeah, indeed, indeed. Um, before we before we leave the subject of you and supercars, I think I just wanted to comment on something that obviously has been very hot topic in recent times. You know, it was fabulous what Shane went and did in Chicago. And without being, you know, a, a, in hindsight, I was smart. I I expected him to do what he did. I I really did because uh, you know what a tiger he is. And as Andrew Edwards has said on our show, that because he was hunting. He did something that, you know, no one in NASCAR had ever seen coming, and it was just fantastic to see. Uh, we all, we all every, everybody enjoyed it, no matter what side of uh, motorsport or no matter what sport you're in, everybody appreciated what he'd done. And I personally was um, so pleased that um, in the interviews after, the, after his win, he was so happy as a person because he, he, you know, I think this year he's he's had a lot of weight on his shoulders. There's been a fair amount of tall poppy syndrome uh, that he's had to deal with, and I just think he he was the old chain, um, you know, country boy does well, you know. I I really I really thought I was very pleased for him that he'd that he <coughs> excuse me he was in. That sort of headspace, you know, he was um, he was very happy. He'd done a great job. He'd obviously yeah, shocked a lot of people, and uh, done a great job. And look, we as a team, me as a person, we all fully support his journey to America. And you know, we're just so happy to have been to have known him in his journey. You know, I mean, he's he's got a long way to go yet. I think he's got five great years ahead of him and uh, it'll be an absolute pleasure to one day say yeah I used to I used to have Shane's phone number in my phone <laughs> and um, you know but I think he'll always be Shane and he'll do well over there and the, the thing is with Americans um, because I've actually commercially done business in America um, if you do very well in Australia and New Zealand there's a, a fair degree of tall poppy syndrome, you know, that people think you're lucky or you've cheated or you've fucking d- done something that, you know, you were lucky to get that. Um, but in America, they absolutely love success. They love they love the fact that you've done very well and they, they applaud it. And um, it's a, just a different ambience and atmosphere, Um with with the Americans, so I, I think I think you'll really enjoy that. It'll be such a change for him, you know. And obviously, financially, it's a much better um, 
uh, country to try and make a living in. So I think he'll do very, very well. I um, re- remember vividly, and of course you were involved at the time when Jeff Slater was the engineer with Shane as VIP pet foods on the car at Techno. And that time, and Jeff said to me, when Shane got out of the car, he hadn't seen him ho- have that face since those days in 2016, 17, when Shane was just uh, enjoying racing. And uh, he said it was wonderful to see that again. Harking on that for a second, harking on that for a second, um, I'm looking forward to uh, being somewhere at a racetrack when you're there and you have a new young man standing next to you because he's equally as enthusiastic, bubbly, and enjoys the world in Will Brown. And I think it's a great signing. It means that there's a different direction for Triple Eight, and it's one that, to me, is closer in personality to you than has been there in the last couple of years. So congratulations on uh, a new young driver for 2024. Yeah, look, I think, you know, Will's come a long way in the past five years, and I think um, the one thing about Triple Eight is that I think they can take a very good driver and make them an excellent driver. I think with the team that's around them and the strategies that they deploy, I think that, um, yeah. And if, if I look at Brock, Brock's done a marvellous job and it's really only a second year of, you know, front-line to, yeah, top-end competition. And he's doing marvellously well. And I, I was chuckling to myself when I watched him at the bend there, um, just muscling Mostert. I mean, you know, Mostert's a little bit of a bully. You know, he's a good driver, but a little bit of a bully. Um, and Brock just put him in his place, and I just thought that was fantastic. And then, of course, Davey Reynolds punted him off, which was probably unnecessary, but it's all part of racing, I guess. But no, Will's Will's going to be good. Um, he'll be a good fit in the team. Him and Brock will get on well, and um, we'll see what happens. I think it'll be good. Tony? You used to be the uh, licorice king of the United States. Do you have any interests over there that you can stay as part of uh, Shane's entourage? Um, no, I don't, although I'm not sure. I'm off there in September um, to talk to a few people that want me to be involved in things. So um, we'll see. I, I'm not. I'm getting too old for that, but I'm happy to help or be involved with young people that are enthusiastic and, you know, want to get on with their lives. I, I find it quite um, quite invigorating and, and keeps you young. I mean, a, a, a young guy that uh, we, we um, or a young guy that got involved with me about five years ago, Dan Gaunt, uh, has been an absolute pleasure uh, in New Zealand. He's a great young fellow. Well, he's not, not so young anymore, but... You know, he's been an absolute uh, pleasure to work with and he's doing so well. And I'm so pleased that, um, you know, it's working out for him. And, um, you know, if I can if I can help young people that are keen and, and energetic and, you know, um, you know, wanting to get on, um, I'm happy to do so. So who knows in America? I love America. I think it's a great country. I think it's quite easy to make money there. I've certainly made, you know, I've done well there. Um, so we'll see. 
I think I just saw that Dan Gaunt's had a, a child too with his partner. Yes, yes he has. Yes, he has. Uh, so he's become a father, which, you know, is a whole new game for him. But um, no, he's he's a good guy. And, you know, he's now on the board of Motorsport New Zealand. He's probably the youngest one there. Um, but he is one smart cookie. So keep keep your eyes and ears open. I think you'll do well. Where did your love affair and association with uh, New Zealand come from? Oh, I lived there for nine years. And um, I actually think it's probably one of the best countries in the world. You know, um, there's nothing that there's nothing that bites you there or, or can kill you, really, apart from a, a, a drunk driver. But, you know, there's no snakes or spiders or anything in the grass. There's nothing really that's poisonous. The food's good. The people are are really can-do people. They're quite they're quite uh, quite able. You know, they they can do shit. And um, and I'll, you know, I just like the country. I like the weather. I like the greenness. I like the hills. I like the clear water that runs in the river. I just think it's a you know. I think they call it God's country or whatever. And I think certain parts of it, you know, if you look at the up by Nelson there, the Marlborough Sounds and stuff like that, it's just magnificent. I, I think it's one of the prettiest countries in the world. You can travel all around Europe and look at stuff. Um, if you want, it's a big long trip and different languages and stuff, but you can just go three hours to New Zealand and spend a month there and, and uh, enjoy it. So I just enjoy it as a country, that's all. And from there to Ipswich and Queensland <laughs> Raceway. Yes, it's hard to it's hard to draw a comparison there, but but um, Ipswich is fine. I mean, it's uh, I really enjoyed. The, I mean, I, I'm kind of finished the job up there. Uh, there's not much more for me to do. Um, I just go and check it every you know three or four days to make sure that the place is kept up to standard. And uh, we've got a very good team there. Josh McFarlane is the, the chief guy. He does a great job. And, you know, we cater for motorbikes, uh, drifters, cars. You know, it's, it's quite it's quite uh, diverse, the whole um, customer base. And um, everybody, everybody um, gives me plenty of accolades for the work that we've done there, which is most humbling. But... Um, you know, I, I I started from a very very low base, so was, in some respects, it was quite an easy job to fix. And the the work you have done has been quite extensive. What is the next challenge for Tony Quinn? Um, no, I I just I I said um, I don't know is the answer. Um, because as you get older, um, you know, you're, you're sort of, uh, your views change a wee bit. And I, obviously I had the big accident last year, so I'm still recovering from that. Um, you realise that life isn't forever and that you won't be here one day and you worry about what's left behind and, and how that's going to be managed and controlled. And so I'm kind of working on um, a legacy piece 
uh, starting with New Zealand, the three tracks in New Zealand that will be separated away from my Australian entities um, so that New Zealand can be uh, by itself. It will be run by a board of trustees. Um, there's a 25-year uh, mandatory sort of situation where the tracks have to continue for 25 years, um, and that'll be my legacy. And then after 25 years, whatever prevails as the economic, commercial you know, situation, they'll have to adapt to that. But I just want when I'm dead and gone that for the next 25 years that the tracks in New Zealand will be well looked after and well run. Um, so that'll be my legacy piece. And then, of course, in Australia, I have to, I have to sort of try and work out what's happening there. So I'm not really interested in adding to the pot right now. I'm more interested in, in making sure that the pot that's there, which is substantial, to be fair, um, is well looked after or well dealt with um, and doesn't, you know, doesn't cause anybody or the family or friends or whatever um, any trouble when I'm dead and gone. Because the, the, the sad thing is with life is that you, know, you work so hard um, to gain uh, assets and wealth and whatever else you do, pay your taxes, do all that stuff, and you end up with a, a heap of stuff, a heap of, you know, um, you have to deal with it and without spoiling people's lives. And I'm very conscious of not interfering with my children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren's lives. I want them to have as good a life as I've had, um, but it's difficult to do that um, if you're going to gift them measures of wealth. You know, it's it's just, it's. I know it sounds a bit weird and wacky, but it's, it's an absolute fact. And most people that have, um, you know, have gathered, you know, unusual amounts of wealth or assets or whatever have the same problem. You know, what do you do with it? And I know it's easy. Everybody says, oh, you can give it to me. But that's not, that's not the point. You know, it's trying to do the job properly. This is sounding like a political, no, not political, but some sort of religious thing. But it's not. It's just I'm very conscious that I've got to try and make sure that um, it's dealt with properly. And one thing that is a priority is that the tracks, particularly in New Zealand, are well looked after, and that'll be the legacy. That you know, So in 20 years' time, people might say, who the hell built this place? Why did he do that? And it'll all be there in a book or whatever. So that's my thing. That's it. I'm not, I'm not really, I've, I've proven surely that, um, you know, I've employed thousands of people, I've paid millions of dollars in tax, hundreds of millions of dollars in tax, done the right thing. I've never really been in court for anything. Um, well, I've never been in court. Um, so I've never done anything wrong. I don't think my police record, anything to look at. At all, probably a few speeding fines, maybe parking fines. <laughs> but you know, so I'm just, uh, Jesus, I'm, I'm getting all weird. Anyway, ask me another question, or is that it? Are we done now? Are you bored yet? We're, we've done, Tony. Um, no, we're not bored yet by any stretch of the imagination. And I'm looking forward to visiting your birthplace and getting some clues from the character of Tony Quinn. And I look forward to when we 
we meet up in uh, in Adelaide in late November, and I can uh, hear tales of your USA trip, and uh, I can recount as to where the marks on Scotland are that you left behind. <laughs> so thanks again, Tony Quinn. Hey, thank you. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next time for more or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited.